0: Tonight we're in Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. Excuse me, chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Tonight we're moving our attention away from Philippians for this evening. For a message we want to see here about whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? It's a great question. A great question. Joshua. was a great military commander and leader of the people of Israel. He was the general of the army. He was also the leader of all the people of God. There's no wonder that either God or Moses, or whether it's the people of Israel, tell him about ten times, it's recorded for us, be strong and very courageous. Literally, you find Moses telling him this, God telling him this, and the people of Israel telling him this. Be strong and very courageous. And to lead a company of two million people and six hundred thousand of them into battle, no doubt one that had to be very strong and courageous, amen. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua's already been given that promise in Joshua chapter chapter, chapter number one. He's been given the promise to stay by God's side. He's been given the promise to stay by God's word. And if there's anybody that's been as faithful as Joshua has, it would only be Caleb. Those two men were the only faithful men that were able to lead the... that leave out of the promise leave out of the wilderness and travel into promised land. All the rest of the people that were of his age, they all died, where they were unfaithful to God, and they disobeyed God and they were rebellious to God. But Joshua is a great man, and he has very little flaws that are recorded for us in the Word of God. And we have a great Lord's lesson to learn from him tonight. Because even great people, as great as a general, as a captain, as a president, as a person as Joshua was, he still needed some learning. He still needed humility. And he still needed to decide whose side he was on. We're in Joshua 5 and verse number 13. The Bible reads for us, tells us, we should probably start in verse 12 just to kind of gather us a little bit of idea of what's happening. They're on the doorstep of the promised land. They're about to go into what is we know as Jericho, and the walls are gonna come tumbling down. But in verse 12 we read, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten up the old corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. They did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord so said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua was about to fight his first battle. the promised land. He's already fought several battles before. This is not his first battle. He is a veteran. He has defeated the kings of Sion and Og, some of the greatest kings that ever existed really upon the face of the earth. Don't take my word for that. Take God's word for that. They were great kings. They were kings of the Amorites. They were feared Kings. The Canaanites feared them. You read throughout the book of Psalms and you'll find time after time, and they were able to defeat Sion and they were also able to defeat Og. Og himself was over nine feet tall. Can you imagine coming up against somebody like that? Joshua is the one that fought in the battle where he uh, looked up to God, and He commanded the sun to stand still. You remember that. And no other time on Earth, nor other time since, had God listened to man in such a way. So this is a battle-worn, battle-scarred, professional warrior and leader. And yet, on his very first battle in the Promised Land. He was not going to take any chances. For here we find him by himself on the outskirts of Jericho and he looks up and he sees a man standing there with a sword in his hand and he decides to go out to him and see him and ask him, are you for us or for our adversaries? You know, it's kind of like you and I saying, whose side are you on? Or maybe you might be saying something like this, I thought you were on my side. Have you ever felt before, maybe uh, you were in a conversation and you thought that your friend was on your side and you you said something and uh, immediately they kind of rebuked you or gave a retort and you looked at them and said, I thought you were on my side, right? I thought you were working for me. Joshua was coming out here to meet this man and he said, whose side are you on? Who are you fighting for? That's how Joshua's feeling at this very moment. But little does he know that this man that he's going to meet is no ordinary man. This is no average Joe. The person that he's going to meet is the captain of the Lord's host. Most most commentators and most scholars and most preachers, most people that study their Bibles uh, would all agree... That the person that he's actually meeting here in Joshua chapter 5 and verses 13 through 15 is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's meeting the pre incarnate Lord. Where he says that he is the captain of the host of the Lord. He is captain. There's only one captain of the host of God, and that's Christ. There's only one. That is over all the host, and that is the Lord Jesus. So what does Joshua do? How does he respond? Well, we'll notice three different directions in which Joshua is going to go in tonight. Three in which I think will help us, and three in which tonight hopefully we can make a decision of whose side we are on. The first is this, is that, you might write this down, is that Joshua had a misguided thought. Joshua had a misguided thought. And even great generals have misguided thoughts. Great people, all of us are misguided at times. All of us trust in our instincts when we shouldn't have, or all of us maybe trust in ourselves when we shouldn't have, and we make mistakes, we say things that we ought not have said. And Joshua is about to witness a great and incredible work of God. The people all around him are supporting him. He's about to go into Jericho and waiting for its capture. The spies have come back with great news that the whole entire city is shaking in their boots, basically. We've been so afraid of you uh, for the last 40 years. Think about that. Uh, they, were, they have been afraid of him. There's joy. There's jubilation in the camp. There's happiness there. But there will not be any peace in the camp until this man is met. And Joshua is the one to write out to him. It seems like he's taken his advice pretty good, don't you? Be strong and very courageous. In fact, if you read your Joshua, you read the book of Joshua, you'll find at the end of Joshua, he is now telling the people, be strong and very courageous. Continue to fight and continue to take this land as God has promised you to do so. And so he rides up all by himself to this lowly hill with nobody around, and there is one man standing there with a sword in his hand ready for battle. The first thing I want you to notice about this misguided thought is this, is that Joshua is alone. There is no place here that I find or anywhere else that Joshua went went with anybody else. He didn't take a posse, he didn't take a crew, he didn't take his uh, favorite other captains or lieutenants with him. He went by himself to find out what was happening here. Joshua was all alone. How many times can it be said in God's word that God came to people alone? Oftentimes. He demonstrated such actions to all the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and also to Jacob. He did so with Moses. He did so with Paul. And so he will do so with this man here, Joshua. He comes to him all by himself. You know, oftentimes when our misguided thoughts will be corrected is when we're alone with God. They won't be corrected by your spouse. They won't be corrected uh, by your best friend. They might not. They probably won't be corrected by your pastor. Uh, but when you're all alone with God, the best person to rebuke you, the best person to uh, guide you, the best person to put you back on course where we need to be, because oftentimes if we'll all just be real honest, we're just a little bit too prideful when somebody else rebukes us. Amen? We're not thought to be that way. We need to take that rebuke and uh, chew on it and try to use it for the glory of God and change if it is correct. But oftentimes we're prideful whenever somebody else rebukes us, but whenever God rebukes a Christian and rebukes us in our heart, there's really no argument that we have to offer to God, is there? There's nothing we can say. I mean, what are we going to tell God? You're wrong, right? We know that because we're believers and we know that God is right all the time. Of course, an unbeliever might try to rebuke God, but hopefully none of us would. We realize that we are wrong, and when a rebuke comes from God, it is oftentimes when we are alone, and we're going to have to be alone sometimes in order to hear from God. So we see that he is alone, but the second thing, is, I have already mentioned, that he was very courageous. He sees a man drawn with a sword with a sword drawn in his hand, and he runs to him. He goes to him. He's not afraid to approach him and to ask him a question. Whose side are you on? H.H. Goblin said this one time. He said, Many Christians are not like Joshua, but rather they're afraid to approach the adversary or really afraid to approach anybody with the gospel or to ask, Whose side are you on? Joshua, he says, knew no neutrality in warfare with God, uh, in the warfare of God. The stranger must be a friend or an enemy. Joshua is not like so many Christian soldiers of today who, before declaring their principles, wait to find out their company. That's, discour- that's That can be very convicting. Trimming themselves to the breeze, very pious with the pious, indifferent with the indifferent, and oftentimes openly irreligious with the irreligious. May God help us to be very courageous like Joshua. I must applaud him for his courageousness to go out here a man drawn with a sword in his hand and not to go out there and say uh you know find out who he is and what are you doing here and what's going on and oh yes i'm just like you or anything like that no whose side are you on what are you doing here are you for us or for the enemy which one are you on what side are you on you know and when we give the gospel to people i'm not saying that we're not merciful or we're not kind and they're not compassionate don't think me wrong here But there does come a point in a conversation whenever you're speaking to somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ that there comes a a moment of decision. Whose side are you on? Are you on God's side? The Lord's side? Christ's side? Or are you not? And oftentimes that is where a gospel witness will peter off and will fail because we don't take it to that place Whose side are you on? Joshua was courageous. He did so. But Joshua, though alone, though Joshua a courageous, yet Joshua is misguided. You may be very zealous. You may be very courageous. But you can still be misguided, right? We are to have zeal that ought to be accompanied with knowledge. And no doubt here is a general on the edge of a battle His Uh, testosterone is boiling over, he's ready to wield his sword at any moment, at any time. He's been waiting for this day for 40 plus years, right? And here is is his first uh, victim, he might think. But he is going to become the one that is the victim. He's going to become the servant. We may possess all the zeal in the world, as one said, as Peter did, to cut off Malchus's ear. We may have a great deal of time with God, as Elijah did on the mountain, but if we're not mindful of who we are speaking to, then surely we'll lose sight of who is in charge. If we don't keep in mind who we're talking to, we'll really lose sight of who's really in charge, and who's really in charge of your life. That's really the question whose side are you all but really get worded another way who's in charge of your life who is in charge am I in charge you can try that it doesn't work out very good who's in charge I believe there's no doubt that as a man Joshua in charge Joshua gotten somewhat uh, maybe a little prideful in his position You know, the Bible doesn't have to tell us that Joshua was prideful, but he was a general. He was a very prominent man, and whether the Bible has to tell me he was prideful or not, I know mankind, and I also know this, that God comes oftentimes in areas of our life to point out our pride and to humble us. Is that not what God does here? He does exactly what he does. Because by the end of it, he's telling Joshua to take off your shoes, get down on your knees, and pay me, homage. Worship me, all right? Joshua's coming out there, who are you? And by the end, Joshua's on his knees. I think Joshua needed some humility. Needed some humility. There's no lacking of any, there's no uh, amount of humility that can be too great for any of us. But what has God come to do? He has come to show him a different plan. Joshua has been misguided, perhaps in his pride he's been misguided because he thinks he might know what is best, but God has come to show him a different plan, one that he is never going to imagine. In fact, you might turn in verse chapter 6 and look here in verse number 2 because the story doesn't change. I I sometimes uh, get a little uh, frustrated with uh, chapter headings because they mess me up, but I, I have gotten a little messed up here, but I don't want you to get messed up here. The story continues. Realize that that Joshua is talking to God here, he's talking to the Lord, and after he takes his shoes off and he humbles himself before God, the Bible says in verse number one, it says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel, and none went out, and none came in, and the Lord said unto Joshua, you see it, and Very interesting side note. Let's just go ahead and throw it out there for everybody that saw it already. Did you see the word Lord? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What is that word? Jehovah. Jehovah. Jehovah says to Joshua, and who is the captain of the Lord's host? It is Jesus Christ. It is the same... They are talking to him. and He is speaking to him. See, I have given unto thine hand, and the king thereof of Jericho, and the mighty men of Valor, and shalt thou shalt compass the city, and ye men of war shall go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. We'll stop there. We won't go through the rest of the instructions. But Joshua is here. He's meeting, he's meeting here with the captain of the Lord's host. He's probably got a mind of his own how he's going to take over Jericho. And God looks down at him and says, No, 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 no. That's not how we're doing it. What you're going to do is you're going to walk around the city one time for six days, every single time, one time for every six, every six every day for six days and then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around the city seven times. Right? And on the seventh day, you'll shout and do all the things that they were going to do and the walls will fall down. I can guarantee you that whenever Joshua went back to his lieutenants and his captains and his sergeants and gave them the army plans, that they probably all scratched their heads. Amen? That's not how you fight bats. You don't walk around walls, okay? You, you put ladders on walls, you, you tear down walls. That's you don't do it like that. So Joshua had to be reinstructed in how God was going to do things, and Joshua had to be reinstructed just who was in charge. And God is saying, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. And this is how we're going to do it. And God will do the same thing for us. If we'll let him, and if we will remain humble, he will show up on the scene just when we need him most. We may be courageous. We may be prayed up. We may be following God's commands, as Joshua was doing. Just in a few moments, just in a few chapters before this, he had kept the Passover and, and uh, circumcised the, all the children. He was keeping God's word and God's law. But even at those times and in those moments, we still need God to show up and God to help us. We never need to think just because I'm doing what's right and I'm doing good and I'm following God and I'm being a courageous person that I suddenly I don't need God. No, we still need God. We need him every moment and every hour. We, as the song said, I need who? Jesus. I need Jesus. And it's not in just bad times, it's in good times, it's in every time, it's in all the time, that I need the Lord. And Joshua is being reminded of this. He is being pushed to the forefront of his mind, though he's been the most faithful person that has been in all of Israel besides Caleb. He's been one of the most godly people. He's prayed up, he's warred up, he's ready to go and do what God's bidding you may be. But God still needs to remind him and humble him and let him know that I am still in charge, Joshua. I'm still in charge. Whose side are you on? So we see that he had a misguided thought. He walks in, in verse number 13, I love this, it says, Joshua was by Jericho, and that he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him, the word over against there means that literally in front of his face, it was the idea of face to face is the idea, it's a one-on-one scene, you know, this is intense, I mean, I wish I could, I wish we could see this almost on video in a way, I mean, this, this scene is intense, and you've got a soldier, man, standing there with a glimmering sword, an unsheathed sword in his hand. When somebody unsheathes the sword, that means we're ready to fight. You know, you know. When you got the sword in, it means okay, peace. But when you unsheathe, it, it means we're ready for business here. Joshua sees this, he goes towards the man with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went unto him and said, Who art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he gets a very surprising answer, doesn't he? Our Bibles, uh, our King James Bibles translate it, nay. That's just a good old-fashioned way of saying, no. No. How do you answer a question that gives you a choice between are you for us or our adversaries? With the answer, no. <laughs> Do you Is everybody seeing the grammatical error here? That doesn't work. We need an answer. I asked, no, 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 wait a second. Maybe you didn't understand that. Let me rephrase that. I don't know if that's what Joshua said or anything, but this is what he says there. He says, no. Are you for us or for them? No. Well, then who are you for? You gotta be for one of us. You gotta be for them, or you gotta be for us. I mean, which one is it? You tell me. I need an answer. He says neither. Neither. God might not be standing here in front of us a sword in his hand and I'm glad he is not but he does have this sword he does have this sword this sword right here appears as deeper than the sword that Jesus was holding in front of Joshua How do you know that? Because it's the same sword that he used against Joshua. His word. How did he pierce Joshua that day? Did he pierce him with the sword in his hand? Pierced him with the word of his mouth? He pierced him with the sword that came out of his mouth? And there's only one word out there that pierces mankind to the thoughts and to the spirit, to the to the soul and to the spirit that is a that is a that pierces even two, to dividing us under soul and spirit. What of us can can divide both soul and spirit? Can we divide that? Do you know how to? Do you know where that division line is? No doctor, no medical doctor can tell you where it is. It goes down into the deep, down into the joints and to the marrow. It pierces down into the heart. But you know what? You've got to be ready to listen. You've got to, be, you've got to be humble to listen to what God's word is trying to teach you. And what we're trying to learn tonight is this, is this, is this simple fact. Is Our simple question is, whose side are you on? Who's in charge? Who's in charge of your life? I didn't ask you if you read your Bible today. I didn't ask you if you came to church tonight. Obviously, that would be a weird question. I didn't ask you if, you if you've got perfect attendance. I didn't ask you if you grew up in a Christian home. I didn't, I didn't ask you tonight if you've been a good boy or a good girl. I didn't ask you any of those questions. I'm just asking, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Because if we're all very honest with ourselves, then we would all admit that at times in our lives that God sometimes gets dethroned and we get put back on the throne. And God has to come over and say, wait a second, that's not how it works. I'm king he here. I'm captain. I sit there. And if we don't take our, if we don't get off the throne and remove our shoes and worship him, then he will have to remove us, and that's not very pleasant. It's called chastisement, amen. But even then, God still offers mercy, amen, and grace. Because he is a great and merciful God and full of compassion and long suffering he is. But he answers to Joshua with these words, neither, nay, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm not for you and I'm not for them. I'm not against you and I'm not against them. I am not here to pick sides with you or the people of Jericho. And that might, to me, when I first read that, it's kind of an astonishing answer because isn't God for his own people? He is. Is God for his own people? He is. And then I think, but doesn't God, hasn't he instructed these people to destroy these wicked folks? Hasn't he instructed them in this? He has. Then how is it that he's not against them and he's not against them and he's not for them and he's not for them? The captain is asking this. The captain is switching the question around. And he says, Joshua, I'm not here to tell you whose side I'm on. I'm here to ask you whose side are you on. Whose side are you on, Joshua? I am the victim. I am the captain of the Lord's host. I. There's nobody else. I learned a great term one time. You've heard of generals, right? And have you ever heard of a generalissimo? It's somebody that is not just a general. We know them as five-star generals. I think Eisenhower was one of those. Eisenhower was a generalissimo. He was not just over the army, but he was literally a general over the entire armed forces of the allied troops. So of Europe, America, and anybody else that was an ally to them, he was over them all. Not just the army either, but the navy, the air force, every bit of it. He was over it all. Five star, general least. And what Jesus is basically saying to Joshua here is this, is that, is that Joshua, you might be over two million people and 600,000 footmen, but listen, I'm over, the, I'm over everybody. I'm over everybody. I am the victor. I am the one that promotes victory. I am on the I am the winning side. Amen? I am the winning side. I am the captain of the hosts of all the angels of God. Think about that. He says, I am the captain of all the angels of God, every one of them. I tell them what to do, they are at my bidding. I don't know exactly how it all worked, but it might be, it might have been on that very fateful day whenever the walls of Jericho came tumbling down that perhaps it was angels that tore those walls down. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past God. I wouldn't put it past angels. But I will say this is that he says I'm over them all. And we knew we know that one angel can destroy many people. So he is over all of these people. I control the whole entire spiritual realm that you cannot see. I can blow down these walls in one push. I can drive them out. And Joshua, you need to amend your thinking. Nay, but as captain of the, Lord, of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And am, am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. And that is what all, we all need to do today. Sometimes we get the attitude when things are tough or things are t- trying or we have trials in our life that God has in some way switched sides. That in some ways and somehow when trials or temptations begin, we get the false philosophy that God is in some way left and he's gone to the other side. And we've kind of lost God's favor or we're not in touch with God anymore. And somehow he has moved over. But it isn't like that. God isn't picking and choosing sides. We are the ones as humans that pick and choose sides. We are the ones that pick and choose We are the ones that say, and I've even heard people even admit this, I wonder whose side God is really on. People and nations, they choose sides. People and nations value their sides based on value and money and fame. And we need to banish all that thinking that God is like that. God is not like that. We need not to be worried if God is on our side, but we need to ask the question to ourselves, are we on God's side? Moses said to the children of Israel when they are faced with a monumental decision, he looks at them and says, And Moses stood in the gate and stood at the camp of the gate, and it says, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Jesus said, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. You see, the question is not whether we're, is God on our side? Is Jesus on our side? Oh, the question is this are we on Christ's side? Are we following Him? The victory is won when we're all on His side because as the Scriptures teach us, what? The battle is of the what? Lords. Amen? It's not my battle to fight. It's God's battle to win. It's not ours' battle. It's not the enemy's battle. Many times Israel was defeated by an enemy. Saul was killed by the Philistines. And Josiah was killed by the king of Egypt. Saul, in his pride and his wickedness, died. But Josiah, a godly man, one of the most godly kings of all of Israel, died also. For he went and did his own will. It was not his battle to fight. You see, you might be wicked or you might be righteous. But we went when we get in confusion of this question, then we're in danger. We may have come up with great ideas, witty inventions. We might have strong arms and well thought out plans but all of that is worthless in the sight of God, my friend. It's worthless. You have For God can take the most ignorant person in all the world and use them for his glory and he can take the weakest person in all the world and use them for his might. In fact, He delights to do in those things. Get away from foolish reasoning and stop having false thinking that you can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. Only God knows the answers. And it all might begin by just stop wondering and stop complaining and stop thinking, is God on my side or not? Joshua had misguided judgment. He had was admonished to have an amendment of his mind. But we finally see that Joshua humbled his will to God. For the Bible teaches us plainly that Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Do you realize that Joshua bowed to nobody in the camp? Joshua bowed to no one. Moses is dead. At one time he was good at bowing, for Moses is always around. But he bowed to no one anymore. No one. Here he is standing before the captain of the Lord of hosts. And what does this great general do? He bats. If a great man of God like this, a great man, an amazing man, a man that I will never be. If he can bow and will bow and does bow before God and submits his plans to God and says, God, I don't want my plans, I want your plans, then how much more should I and should you and should all of us bow before God and worship him and say, God, we don't want our plans, we want your plans. We want what you want, not what we want. God, we, want, we don't want to be in charge, we want you in charge. You might have a struggle with your kids. It's only going to be one by being on God's side. Depression, worry, anxiety. It's only going to be one by being on God's side. That's it. Nowhere else. Your job situation, where's that one at? God's side. See, we're not fighting battles with Amorites and Canaanites and Parasites and all the rest of the bites this, this evening. But I'll tell you what we are fighting. We're fighting this world, the flesh, and the devil. Every single moment of every single day. And You're never going to win that battle thinking I can do it by myself because you can't. And you might be the most godly, righteous, holy person here. You might have prayed five hours today. I don't know. But even in all of that, you can't rest in any of that. Even though you might do those things and continue to do those things. I'm not, I'm not putting those down. But I'm just saying that you might be a Joshua. But you still have to be humble and say to God, God, I need This message seems so simple. It almost, when I say that, God, I need you, I almost feel very childish in saying it. Because it's so simple, yet, it's so difficult for people to do, isn't it? It's so difficult for people to admit that they need God in their life so did. The problems in your marriage, it's only one by being on God's side. Our church does not need to wonder whether God is for us or against us. We need to back away from such false theology and realize that, and ask the question, what side are we on? Joshua was willing to do that. For he says, What saith my Lord unto his servant, and the captain of the Lord's host said unto unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, and the place wherein thou standest is holy. And I love this. Very simple phrase. And Joshua did so. Amen. He just did what God told him. you might have to say those faithful words that Jesus said whatever your will is God I will do it whatever your command is I will do it wherever you want me to go God I will go What's awesome is this is that whenever we do that, is that God helps us take another step with him. Don't know if anybody's fighting Jericho tomorrow or anything like that. But it might feel like a Jericho. It might feel like four or five walls that will never fall down. There their some that even though they're all fulfilled tonight because of medical reasons that they didn't keep, they didn't give up going to Guyana just because uh, COVID happened. Just because there was even a, an outbreak down there and Ariana was a high risk. I said, no, we're going. I think in the last letter, right before she was pulling out, I think 19 people got saved and baptized and added to a church the majesty of that moment that Joshua experienced in Joshua chapter 5 was spectacular it seems to me that it was there that the battle for Jericho was won not when he marched around see the battle for every Christian and for every believer is never won whenever we see physical results. The battle is won here. And when God won the battle here with the sword that came out of his mouth in his heart, it was then that God did. I can use this man for whatever I want to. And you, and you And you. And you. And you and you and me they our will to God because you're no longer concerned about whose side God is on but you're content and joyful to know that God's allowed you to be on His side for he's a good God and mercy and all that will come unto him he will no wise cast out no no wise Praise God for all May God help us to choose the right side. May all of us dethrone self and put God on the throne of our hearts. Father, we're thankful for the word. Pray that, Father, all of us, God, would learn to put ourselves down and let you to be lifted up. I have nothing. You are everything. Forgive us of our sins where we have failed you. And help us, oh God, to trust you, to lean heavily upon you and not forget and not forget that God, you are in charge. Help this dear couple, Robert and Ariana, as they are in the hospital, help Ariana's little baby to grow and to be well. Give them grace. Give us grace as we leave here tonight. Safe on the roads and our travel. In Jesus' name. Amen.